It's live. Danger Mouse and Black Thought are doing an album together. Yeah, I saw that. I thought, and given the last thing that we saw Danger Mouse do was was that thing with Karen O. Uh, MF Doom. No, he, he did one with MF Doom that was pretty good, didn't he, in 2005? The, la- the last thing that we saw of him was the Karen O. Oh, Lux, yeah, it was Karen O. Lux yeah. Veritas, whatever yeah. it was called, Lux something. Um, hmm. What did we? We did that one. You like that or not? I don't have a lot of recollections of what it was like, remember. but I know that we did it. No, it's on the list. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole lot of that. It's like, no, it's on the list. It's in the Google Doc. We've got a few of those this week. It's in the Google. It's Doc. it's kind of a, um, if it was any good, I'd remember it kind of thing, or if it was absolutely horrific, yeah. I'd remember it. So my feeling about the two main albums from this week, not the Joker is I, th- I actually think they're good enough albums to be someone else's top five album of the year. I can't remember which were the, which was the Joker. But the I Joker wasn't, wasn't your man, uh, your, your Sims collaborator. The, the, yeah, yeah, that was the Joker. My Sims collaborator was the Joker. Sk- Skinty, was, uh, Skinty was my pick and the, the Brooklyn guys. Skinty Fear, which, was, uh, which is ancient um, Gaelic for rum, the damnation of the deer, which I understand relates to the... Extinction mm. of the the large Irish deer, one, the big we? Irish deer. That's they've got a deer on the cover. I don't think it's that particular type of Irish deer because they're extinct. It, it's a very Irish album, isn't it? Are we, are we going to talk about the Fontaines album first? I suppose. Yeah, let's talk about the Fontaines because it's a very Irish album. It sounds Irish. It feels Irish, but not not that kind of kind of fiddly deep potatoes, leprechauns, and, and rolling fields kind of Irish. Kind of that. It's running all the time, and everyone's on heroin, Cr- cranberries, and Irish. sectarian violence, and alcoholism, and depression, kind of Irishness. Yeah, so that that like it's not the same music as the cranberries, but that sort of melancholy, holy fuck, I live in Ireland where all this shit goes bad. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a beautiful place to live, sort of. I'm proud of living here, but but I want to neck myself or kill everybody around me, kind of thing. Yeah, there's just this. Even the love songs are horrible. This sort of uh... <laughs> like they, they're just so sad and dismal and miserable and grim. It's so fucking unrelentingly grim. This album. But I actually think it's really well made. I think it's a it's a really well made album. I think the the band is good. I think his voice is good. I just. It's just not for me. It's is it because this guy can't fucking sing in any way? He's just awful to listen to. He's very he's very passionate yeah. and very plaintive. But he sounds fucking horrible. And here I just thought he sounded Irish. <laughs> but he sounds like an Irishman who's, who isn't aware that he's singing flat. Um I, I was I was trying to attempt I was like, which which of these songs do I enjoy? And I'm like, no, I don't enjoy any no, of these no, songs. No, no, all of these songs are miserable. This, this is but, a, I re- this is a, if anything, you respect the achievement, but you don't you don't actually yeah. like any of this. No, now, th- this is not this is this is not going to play well 
at the end of the year lying in a hammock on a beach. No. I'll tell you right no, now. No, I don't, I don't plan to ever hear this album again, let alone in a hammock on the beach. Yeah, I found this album as punishing as any of those kind of plaintive complaints about the state of modern Britain slash Ireland, you know, idols or yeah. Sleaford mods at their worst. It's just full of moany, grim, dismal dirges. I, and I like deer. I'm not, I'm not here for the damnation of the deer. I'm, I'm bucks in six, man. This is definitely a, a, a dividing line between you and I, whereas I, I quite I quite like music that makes me miserable in certain contexts. I have enough things that makes I, me miserable. Yeah, I don't know whether I this was that sort of, you know, self-abuse that I was keen on. Um, but I, I thought, I thought <laughs> you, the like music that makes you miserable, speaking of self-abusers... The foes. Yeah. That makes you miserable. And you don't like that. Yeah, but no, not, not in a good way, though. Um, uh, I, I still appreciate... I, I appreciate the craft, the craftsmanship. I don't know whether I liked it, though. I am absolutely confident that I didn't. And this is... They're much more putting their, their, their kind of moany Dubliness on Front Street. And the irony is that none of them... They're all expats now. They all live in the fucking LA or wherever else because they've, they've had success. Um, and, and I don't trust in it. I never trust expat commentary about the homeland, no matter what country it is, whether it's Kiwis talking about New Zealand or Australians talking, you know, expat Australians like Clive James talking about Australia. How the fuck would you know? You hadn't been there for 20 years before you left. Um, yeah. I don't know if the island they're talking about is necessarily the island that anybody actually experiences. Um, yeah, right. It might, it might be that, um, you know the the dream of Britain, the Stonehenge sort of the, the kind of the the myth mythology. Good or bad, yeah. it's the image they had of it when the you know it, is, it might be or it might yeah. not be. I'm not saying you wouldn't get the same from that from Abongja, who is a Nigerian kid who moved to London when he was when he was young, um, and has made a kind of a Afrobeaty electronica. Well, I, ca- album? I called it I, I called it Afro pop. Afro pop is what I I came what I came up with because it is this is a very poppy album it, it jumps genres um, though it's it not also, poppy it, it, it don't I mean the problem with pop is that it, it it infers upbeatness and it's not like this is a buoyant um, there's not a lot that there's not a lot that goes snap you know, pop often infers the presence of snap and crackle mm. and there isn't any of that in this album yeah no no there's lightness though there's there's it, it's, lack of it's gentle bass <laughs> it's gentle yes it just it just sort yeah, of drifts it's past. Big. It's kind of it kind of it does feel like you know being on sedatives for a lot of it. Um, it's kind of breathy African rhythms and noises, and it really it, you can sort of see what the the track of his that you really like is the Sims track because it has Sims going in there, swaggering around yeah. and fucking telling you what what the fucking time is, and it desperately needs somebody to do that. Yep. It just doesn't have. The drive and the purpose and the and the the sense of what you're here for. Um, it was interesting. I, I saw that, that he actually got his start on an album that we reviewed. Um, Everything is recorded by Richard Russell. It, oh yeah. He yeah, was, yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is, Richard Russell is actually the owner of XL Recordings, the the label that this this turns out on. I loved one of the descriptions was uh, of this of, of the genre of this. Uh, his music is hard to describe, but I'm like, well, that doesn't make our job any easier, does it? Yeah, that's right. I came out of this going, 
would make an awesome guest vocalist on a Chemical Brothers album. Or a Sims track. Yeah. If, if all you want is a little bit of that kind of Afrobeat, kind of Nigerian sounds. And he does have a really good voice. He, yeah. He's got an awesome voice. It's just... An awesome I backing voice. Don't know whether I want a whole album of this. Well, the reason that works in that, um, that Sims track is that he's a backing voice. Yeah. And he's that kind of very breathy, very melodic tone is great if you want someone to, you know, if you're essentially using Bounce it as an instrument that, that Sims can rap over. Yeah. Yep. And that's a good way to think of it. His voice is like an African instrument. Isn't yeah. It? The whole thing is very, uh, it, it's very, um, I mean, it's Afrobeat. You know, that's, that's kind of much more consciously world music than a lot of the stuff coming out of, for want of a better phrase, Black London today. Like Bob Villain. Good. I mean, they're not, they're not making Afrobeat. No. Good, good Joker album, though. The the right sort of album for a Joker, I think. It's like, yeah, that's a bit different. Well, you definitely picked bit- the best Joker album of the week. Congratulations. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, you pencil I, that one in as a as a W for you. I could totally see myself sitting in a like a, an upmarket version of the alley in uh, in New Jersey or in Brooklyn know, somewhere in the in Brooklyn having vegan nachos and, and low carb Michelob beers. Well, actually, no, it'll be some and, kind of pretentious craft beer. It'll be coming kind of a, a fucking raspberry sour milkshake fucking IPA. Because I think this album would be awesome to see in a small bar live. I don't know whether it stuck with me as much as an album, just as an album, but I, I think it would be a great live album. This is a Bodega's um, album, um, Broken Equipment, uh, which I hated the first time I listened to it because I'd listened to it after listening to Obong Jaya and Fontaine's Dublin City, um, which is what DC stands for. And by that stage, I just wanted to go to fucking bed. <laughs> You're like, this is worse. I'm like, oh, fucking Christ. I don't have had too much to drink by that stage because it was a recording night. Um, but when I've listened to it again subsequently across the week, I'm like, I actually quite like this. This isn't too bad. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, you're kind of already in your head, you're projecting where it will end up. And I'm thinking, I reckon this album might be good for like 12th or 15th album of the year. Um, but yeah. it's, it's it's good. It's got an angular, jangular, art, rock, post punk I mean, it's brooklyn what the fuck do you expect they formed it a book club but there's lots of travel like it's got a beat and a riff and a swagger and kind of a tiktok um strut to it and it that, that goes a long way particularly when nothing else you've had during the week has given you that like i i have no idea what brooklyn music what the brooklyn music scene actually sounds like whether this is just a cliche yeah yeah, in my head, this is what it sounds mm. like. And and this is what it sounded like in my head before I heard yeah. this album. I was just like, oh, yeah, totally. This would be awesome to see at a small bar in Brooklyn. Yeah. This would be great. Great. I don't know whether it holds up as just an album to listen to, but like when you project yourself into that space, yeah. it's it's very enjoyable. Yeah, half the tracks are fun. So it's half good. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely going to give you the week. Uh, what have you got that is... I'm, I win by half a point to nil. That's a fantastic <laughs> story. That's what have I got that's new? Well, the new solo album from a fella called Dion Lunadon, who is formerly Dion Palmer of the D4. Uh, so the, oh, the D4 I see, were... I did see you tweet about this this week. So there's a, D4 were one of the, the legendary um, new wave of rock kind of bands out of New Zealand, along with like the Datsuns and uh, might have been one or two others, the Czechs a bit later on. 
Um, the D4 pulled stumps around the middle to the end of the, the last decade. And the, the, the two lead guys, the two lead guitarists who wrote all the songs, uh, Jimmy Christmas and Dion Palmer, um, Jimmy Christmas went on to form Luger Bowl and they had a bit more success through the following kind of five years or so. But um, Dion moved to the States and, and had a few side projects. But uh, he's been relatively quiet for a while. Um, so I was interested to see what he sound, what his shit sounds like uh, with this new um, – this this new album and uh it sounds loud it actually it sounds like the d4 which uh for me is an absolute fucking delight because the, the d4 are a band that i have a great affection for having seen them for the first time at livid in 2001 um in a, in a tent where they they didn't care how big the crowd was they were going to do the full fucking leather jacket rock show including dion climbing the in like the inner fucking tower of of the fucking big top and hanging off the roof to do it to solo um they are purest garage rock uh leather jacket kind of not there was a you may have seen a, a photo up between the prime ministers of our fair countries where uh they swapped yes. albums we might as well talk about this now and um yes albo's fucking interns got some garbage fucking I think he got Powder Finger Odyssey number five, <laughs> and um, he did at least it's get just- Spider Bait songs in, in the keys of J, uh, and and the latest that terrible new fucking Midnight Oil album, and um, Jacinta or her people, but probably Jacinta because she knows music because she was famously a DJ. And to be fair, Elbow like he's an older guy. That's probably about right for what. But he no, there's the thing. I think. Jacinta and her people did more research into what Albo would be into than mm. Albo did because because one of the albums- Albo just, just picked what he liked. Albo, Albo just picked what his fucking interns could find at the local- get on, on vinyl at the local JB Hi-Fi. Yeah. Um, but Jacinta and all her people picked it. One of the albums they picked out was this album called AK-79, which was a, which was a short-lived, deleted compilation of Auckland punk bands from 1979. Uh, that was then re-released in the 90s on Flying Nun, the, the famous New Zealand um, uh, record label that, that also, also launched the Dunedin Sound. I think they had a, an album from The Clean as well, was one of the ones that, uh, that just had handed over. But this OK79 is very much bands that are like Radio Birdman and The Sa- the early The Saints, which is stuff that Albo has said that he's into. Um, yeah. So it's almost like, no, this is stuff, you know, New Zealand, the New Zealand version of the stuff that, that, that you're into. So clearly somebody on her staff has, has done a bit of research into Albo. But I say that to say that those sorts of bands were a massive influence on the D4. So there is, to, just to bring it circular, circularly, circularly, circularly back, that's how we get to, to Dion's uh, album, uh, new album of the of the, this week. I've run out of words, man. It's been a rough week. I'm going to edit this so it makes sense. Look, I- I just think they they missed a massive opportunity to give give her a chats album. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> See, I think that's I think that's probably more representative of Australian culture than, than most things. For sure, for sure, a chats album and a state of origin match like that. Yeah. That's really what you need to you know let her know what Australia is like. A pint and a punch in the fucking head. That's pretty much it. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh, Look, her, I think her electorate is rugby league territory, so. I'm going to go with a guy who's a reggae, old, old, old school reggae guy. His name's Horace Andy. He did some vocals for Massive Attack back in the day and a couple of other bands in that sort of 
uh, genre, but I think he's like a classic sort of reggae dancehall guy from Jamaica originally was was his thing. Been around since the late 60s, so not exactly a breaking band considering, you know, he's been around for a bit. But, um, yeah, he's got some new music out, so let's give that a go. Is the, is the album called Midnight Rocker? That's the one. I'm hoping all the songs are new, but I guess there's a chance that they're some old unpublished work of his, considering he's been around since 1960. What have you got for me that's... The album reworked some of Andy's older songs and presented them alongside several newly written tunes. Yeah. Well, I doubt we would have heard any of them, so... It's a new album. And you'll get whatever you can at this stage. Uh, what what have you got that's going to make me laugh? <laughs> the albums that Albo picked? Is that not good enough? <laughs> well, I do have that new Paul Kelly album just sitting there, so... Uh, we do not need to go to that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go for the new album by a tiny Californian band called The Zibs. And the reason I'm picking this band is entirely because their drummer is five-time IndyCar race winner Colton Herter. Right. Okay. Cool. I think they're also <laughs> kind of garage rock, garage punk, Southern California, you know, fucking about music, skateboards and drinking kind of stuff. Although, you know, when you're representing massive corporations on behalf of, you know, Honda of America and, and whatever big massive sponsor they have on the side of the car, and, you know, you, you can't entirely just turn into, like, the zigzags or something. There's a guy uh, in in uh, Shawsey who, like, he's, he's, playing, he's playing himself, but, like, you know, a fictionalised version of himself as this ex-NHL guy who's become a French-Canadian rapper. Oh, crap. And I was like, oh, that's a pretty that's a pretty good, cool character arc. And then you do some digging and he's an ex-NHL enforcer <laughs> turned into a French-Canadian rapper who actually has albums out. And I'm like, man, that's just not fair. If you can play at the highest level of a sport and then, you know, go into being at least good enough to get some albums out and then, you know, and yeah. then act in a... Act in a but but, but keep, keep in mind really that if you've got money, you can get albums out whether the the album should be out or not. That's true. His, his stuff Anthony is very, Mundine had albums out. He's very Snoop Doggish. Um, speaking of Shawzy, which is one of my sort of pet things at the moment. Third mention of Shawzy this week. Are you on like, a fucking I'll, retainer? I'll, you haven't even told yeah, us what what, was, what platforms do we need to subscribe to to get this show? I don't know what it is in New Zealand. On in Australia, it's on SBS on demand. I was going to say um, you just fucking steal it. Uh, it's on SBS on demand, Doc. It, it is available legally. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, but you'd have to put up like, with their shitty ads and they're banging on about yeah. the couch Peloton. Um, th- there's there's a couple of jobs right that I have in my head of. You know, if if my life was completely uncomplicated and I could just go and do a job purely for the enjoyment of doing the job. Like I've always said- If you didn't have kids, just say it. If you didn't have kids. Yeah, if I didn't have kids. But like being the last coach on Pop's bench, I think would be a fucking really good job. Like you'd have to work really hard, right? But it would be a really good job. You get to eat lots of good food. You get to eat, drink lots of really good wine. You'd have heaps of interesting conversations and you'd- 
get one of the best coaching educations you could ever get in the NBA. Well, that seems to be Mo Duck Hill's, uh, the experience he always talks about. Uh, it was exactly that experience. And then being one of Doc Rivers' video coordinators, not so much fun as being one of Pops' video coordinators. Yeah, right. So I've always thought that being the musical director of a TV show would just be the most fun because whatever it is that that uh, Kiso's production company does, their editing and their music and the way that they use their music as like almost a weapon to get you to feel something or to to like like it's a joke, right? And and the music is the punchline of the joke because of the juxtaposition of what you're seeing on the screen versus what the music's trying to say. Like it would just be the fucking best job. It's a little bit like being paid to to trawl through all the stuff that we trawl through and just go, oh, that would look fucking awesome over the t- the top of. A whole bunch of hockey players <laughs> punching on, or walking down a tunnel, or this romantic moment that I want to make look absolutely ridiculous with this, you know, kick-ass fucking electronic, uh, you know, drop that's that's going to completely ruin the moment of what you, what the visuals are trying to do. It would just be so much fun. No, a- not quite as good as the- as being the the person who got to pick the um, intro and outro music on Wild World of Sports back in the nineties. Yeah. Well, the other one I always thought was like The Secret Life of Us. Although they only ever picked from fucking Steve Vai and Joe Satriani stuff. Um, the, the Secret Life of Us was was always, I thought, pretty good because they were like, you know, sort of a little bit of head of uh, of where Triple J was. You know, like they were sort of beating oh, I wouldn't Triple have said J. That. I think, I think, I think, you reckon it's the other way around? To be honest, on behalf of the audience, I know we talked about this a few months ago, but um, they were on the slightly adult contemporary end of where Triple J pop was. Mm, fair enough. And then I watched. I watched this. I still remember Waikiki, the the band that had like they had a few tracks on that um, Secret Life of Us soundtrack, and they they played first on the stage at a big day out on the Gold Coast, and Friends of Ron was second. Yeah. And um, of course, Friends of Ron come out, and they, they said, "Hey, go go!" You know, all that kind of you know drunken bullshit. Play a song, and then they say, "Hey, oh, that was Waikiki," and the, and people went, and they said, "Yeah, yeah." I'd, we would have come out and listened, but we're not really into adult contemporary music. And, 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 my, and me yeah. at that age, that was the most brutal burn you could have possibly made about the band. <laughs> Fucking true, um, though. Oh, absolutely. Like, but that was sort of where the show was pitched too, don't you reckon? Adult contemporary zone. Well, yeah. I suppose that show was probably watched by more people 15 years older than the demographic. I mean, we all watched yeah. it and we were the demographic, but I'm sure there, in terms of- Given that yeah, yeah. the people who were older than the demographic, there was a larger sway of the population who were watching them, people watching it and pretending to be oh, that I age. I think it was aimed at like successful professionals that were like, oh, yes, that was un- us when we were younger. Yeah. Like I always thought that's where it was pitched. Like, and there was another, there was a Netflix show called Wanderlust, which was this sort of intense relationship. Was that a tenacious diesel show that we watched? And the the the, the music choices on that were just absolutely brilliant. I actually. Um, like look the look the musical director up on Twitter and said, "Mate, fucking ace work on your on your show." And he's like, "Yeah, we spent shitloads of time looking, you know, looking for the feel and the and the you know, like th- those guys would work pretty hard to to try and match um, 
you know, try and match the feel of what they're trying to do. I don't, I don't think it would be an easy job, but I reckon it would be a very enjoyable job. It'd also depend a lot on what you could afford the licensing for and who you had tie-ins with and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but that, oh, that's the thing, right? I think, I think, like, if you go into a show and, like, every song is a banger, like, every song is, you know, Jay-Z or Kanye or whatever, like, like that's too fucking easy. You find the shit that I have to go and look up the name of the band after I, I was like, oh, I really like that Cigarettes After Sex song, but I've never heard of them before in my life. Like, uh, you know, that's the true sort of genius music-directed bullshit, I guess. You know, n- not not taking the 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 easy way out all the time because you can't because you can't like you said you can't you can't afford you know fifteen top top ten hits yeah you, you can probably afford one you and then can't afford Beyonce that's it that that's what was I listening to oh um I, I know you're not a fan but I was listening to a podcast the other day that was talking about in PG movies in America you're allowed one fuck. And like it's like this nuclear weapon that you're allowed to use. Because it used to be that you were only allowed one shit. Yeah, You've been upgraded to a fuck. It's one, one fuck now, and and it's like, where can we use it? We have one go. Don't fuck it up. We have one bullet in the chamber. Mm. So anyway, that's my little rant about being a musical director on a TV show. Yeah, I'd still rather be the person who got to pick which Steve Vai or Joe Satriani solo went in the in the montage on Sports Sunday. <laughs> Uh, all right, Doc. Uh, and your your bloody um, the impact of your Letterkenny Shorty obsession is is still being is the shockwaves yeah. are, are still being reached by my fucking release radar because every week some random Canadian band turns up that I've never heard of, but I know it's because of some Canadian act I listen to as a result of you, uh, you know, just sort of ebbing through the algorithmic universe. Well. I'm just about to do that again, which is to go through those two playlists and see whether any of those bands have 2022 albums. So, Why are you so bad at finding uh, new albums? I mean, I have pages and pages of new albums. I have to pick from many new albums, and you seem to have to go and, oh, this album, this band have released one new album. I will have a crack at it. Oh, it's shit. What a surprise. Well, I think the answer to that is... You are better at this than I am. No, I, what do you mean better? All I do is we've all got the same fucking playlist. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I listen to like 10 new albums this afternoon, like, you know, flicking through, and I was just like, nope, nope, nope. That's what Fridays are for. Nope. I, I hit the fucking- yeah. um, I hit the re- the release radar, and I hit the- um, I even hit the, the, the other one, the old one. The one that's not just specifically new releases, but often there's stuff that pops into that that isn't doesn't made release. Oh, the radar. Discover Weekly. Discover yeah, Weekly. I knew there was yeah. a word for it. D- Discover Weekly is a little bit more tailored to your algorithm, but there's usually a whole heap of old shit, and I, I find it I find it a or, bit. Or there's uh, a frustratingly a large number of ab- albums that dropped in 2020 and 2021, and you're like, hey, fucking yeah, that, that is the fucking worst thing. It's like I, I really like this song. Well, at least the 2020s, you know, well, you guys will be coming around again pretty yeah, soon. that's true. Yeah, you, they're the ones you bookmark yeah. and you go, all right, let's see what you can do. I literally have a list of now and soon. And the soon are ones where I've heard a single or there's an old album or they've just popped up on the algorithm. Um, but all the, all the ones that are new, is like they have an album that we could roll with right now. So I, I really do wish Spotify would add a column of 
you know, released in release year, so but that can be I that can be th- confusing whether there's a re-release of a yeah. um, fucking yeah, well, bonus edition. We've both been caught by that, haven't we? Where it's like, oh, this band has a no, no, this is a we've been like, we've been stung renamed. by that at least fucking fifteen times across the course of this podcast. Yep. Uh, all right, Doc. Let's hope um, this week's music's a little bit more memorable. A little bit louder. I'm pretty confident of that. All right. I'll catch you next week. See you, folks. See ya. The only problem with the the Shawzy playlist is a lot of it is like electronic music that has awesome drops, but the actual album is not that great. So you're telling me North American electronic music doesn't know how to make an album? Unprecedented. Yeah, they do use it. They they do use a Chemical Brothers and a Soul Wax song very very well. I'm like, they use a Electro Bank, and I'm like, fuck, that is a good song. That song just kicks ass dig your own hole was really fucking good well remember when they the chemical brothers released an album was it last year or the year before and you almost thought it was good because it was a chemical brothers album but you just eventually realized actually no it's shit but it was hard to kind of get around the it was because it was chemical brothers it's hard not to think but that's great but it fucking wasn't it just fucking wasn't it just wasn't it wasn't quite there I I wonder if they had a if they had an elbow moment right. What some, if someone, something happened? That, someone hit him in the crevice. I'm going to eat chips if that's cool. No, maybe not an elbow moment. Maybe an independence moment where like pol- like because politics in Australia seems to have changed slightly. I don't know whether it's changed a massive amount, but it's definitely changed a little bit. Um, It'll be interesting to see how the media reacts to it. If they nurture this, if they actually play into it and say, look, there's clearly an audience for people who are oh, much more, doesn't matter whether they're right or left or working class or they live in really expensive electorates, people are concerned about the fucking environment, so maybe we should measure yeah. our coverage Focus accordingly. Um, but, yeah, if something like that happened and all of a sudden Britain was more positive, I wonder what the Chemical Brothers album would be like because they're obviously, like, they're right into the politics, right? Like I follow them on Twitter, they them a massive attacker tweeting shit all the time. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see if if things got a bit more positive, would we get one more great album out of them? I think it's also it depends on you need to be of the generation that's still taking all the drugs to be make the positive album. <laughs> and if you're that's making true. a dance album and you're too old to take any of the drugs, what's that album going to sound like? I mean, counterpoint, yeah. that Crystal S- Methods album. Soberness. <laughs> but that album read like still- everybody was on all the fun shit, but. Yeah. All right, Doc. I'd best go put these children to bed. I'd best finish off these corn chips. Chipotle and sour cream, they're really good. And by, cho- by children, I mean me. Right. Catch you later. All right, see ya. Shakers, not connoisseurs, this is...
making me bitter, harder, fatter, stressed out. Hang on a second, Doc. Do you like kombucha with me? You can have one of my cans of kombucha. Do you want to say hi to Dr. Yobo? Hi, Dr. Yobo. Hello, mate. All right, off you go. Poor old Doc will have to edit this bit out now. Um, Welcome to the after dark. <laughs> <laughs>